Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. I did a recent interview on a podcast called Finding the Magic, and uh, yeah, they interviewed me on that podcast, so I just thought it would be cool to share that audio with you. So everyone enjoy my interview on the Finding the Magic podcast, and I'll leave some uh, stuff in the show notes where you can go check out that podcast for yourself. Thank you, and have a good day. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for being on my podcast today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate being here. I'm so excited to hear about all of your books and your author journey. Do you want to just jump right in and tell me what you write? I write comedy is my first genre, I would say, but then it's kind of comedy and where I like writing comedy and uh, science fiction, comedy and horror, comedy and uh Fantasy is my latest one, uh, so I kind of mix comedy with, uh, you know, uh, more genre fiction. That's interesting. I don't think I've met an author that would say they're a comedy writer. How did that happen? Uh, it happened on kind of a journey through college. When I when I first went to college, I was a computer science uh, major, and and I had to take a fine arts credit which led me to the theater department where I took an acting class. Uh, it just took one class for me to really, really enjoy theater. 
and uh, I switched my major to theater. And in my department, we had a teacher who was really influential uh, for everyone there. He, he was actually one of the creators of the show Laughing from the 60s. And he taught a comedy writing class that I found a way through, you know, independent studies and all that to take that class overall like nine times, I think. And they all counted. Uh, <laughs> so I took the same class over and over again because I just enjoyed it so much. And then I started a comedy troupe with other people that we met in the class. And we did over like 20 late night comedy shows. And it, it, I guess it became an addiction uh, of writing humor. And I think also writing for theater, you get a really good sense of what's funny and what's not funny. And, and you could tell when you're writing something that's not funny because, you know, when people are performing it live, they won't laugh if it's not funny. Like, 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 you know, if you, if you write a, a dud of a show, you really feel it. You know, like I remember one time I wrote a sketch that was just so bad and it never got any laughs any of the nights. And so I was like, we got to cut this. This is not working, you know, but it's hard lessons like that, but lets you really, you know, explore comedy in a way. That is amazing. I don't think I've ever met an author that would say that they like standing up and talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us are those introverts that just want to be in front of our computer, I think. That's true. That is what gravitates people to writing. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, I guess I'm the only one that, <laughs> that came from a performance background. <laughs> and that jump from computer science to theater too, just seems like a huge leap. Yeah, it was, it's funny. It was a useful leap for me <laughs> because it gave me skills that lacked in the theater world. So when I was in college, I had uh, part-time jobs of, of doing websites, mainly for theater theater places and I actually did get an internship or a GA ship with the UNM theater department to do their website and word got out that I did websites and and suddenly every everyone was coming at me for you know updates on their websites and stuff like that so it, it was interesting to be in you know have technical you know knowledge that was rare in in, in where I was at so it, it made me sort of find a job that was you know, really easy for me, uh, but paid very well and, and then allowed me to, you know, do things like, you know, <laughs> do late night sketch comedy and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> if I didn't have to wake up and punch a clock, you know. <laughs> that sounds like the best of both worlds. I, yeah, I think I would love that too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's no wonder why I went back to get my master's and tried uh, desperately not to leave school for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) I was on that route for a while, so, um, but I was in science, so I went completely that way and didn't love writing until, until grad school, I guess. Oh, wow. (laughs) So tell me, or tell us, my listeners, about your Time Burrito series. um, Yes. That's the one I know, so that's what I'm going to (laughs) ask first, and then you can tell me about the rest of them. So that's probably the most popular one to date. Uh, it's the one that has certainly generated the most uh, <laughs> the most reads, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, if I'm <laughs> measuring on that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the Time Burrito series is a, about a guy that uh, travels through time in order to learn how to make a perfect uh, breakfast burrito. So he's a struggling uh, food cart uh, owner <laughs> and. Uh, 
it's 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 takes place in Albuquerque, uh, the town where I grew up, and also at UNM, the the school I was just talking about. So uh, there is a lot of uh, my hometown knowledge in in that series. So uh, you know, if you ever been to Albuquerque or like Albuquerque or like the Southwest, you'll get a lot of that in there. But it's also just a fun time travel romp where he you know, meets allies along the way and uh, eventually, you know, uh, <laughs> through mishaps, uh, eventually it, it accumulates in a, a burrito cook-off to save the world. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> My husband would definitely be on the bandwagon for that one. He would be like, yes, please give me the perfect breakfast burrito. <laughs> Everywhere we go, they are in search of those breakfast burritos. I growing up in Albuquerque, I didn't realize that you had to that perfect breakfast burritos were not just readily available. <laughs> so <laughs> until I moved out of Albuquerque, yeah, <laughs> and then I and realized we were... that that I I lived in the idyllic burrito uh, <laughs> capital of the world. <laughs> it was like the mecca, right? Everything yes. stands out from there. Yes, yes. So, am I guessing there are aliens involved in this at all, or is it just time travel? It's just time travel. So there are no aliens in, in this particular series, at least not yet. Uh, it does get pretty off the wall. The sequels, uh, like for example, in the second book, a uh, rival chef wants to rewrite history because his last name is Bison and he wants to call uh, bite, buffalo wings bison wings. So he wants to rewrite history. So people use the word bison over the word buffalo. Uh, and so it gets in this time travel war over that. And then the third book uh, has them go to a, uh, a future, a dystopian future where everything we know is gone, except for uh, anything related to someone named David or Dave. Uh, and there's two warring religious groups where one believes the Almighty is named David and the other believe that he's named Dave. And they're having holy wars <laughs> over whether it's Dave or David. And that one is loaded with pop culture references. Anything David, I had to somehow pack it in there. Uh, <laughs> so That one sounds super fun. I might have to put that one on my next reading list instead of the first one. Because... <laughs> they really can be read in any order, actually. The, the Time Burrito series are, are all kind of standalone. Uh, I mean, with that being said, the third book and the fourth book that I'm writing right now, you kind of have to read the third book to really understand the fourth book, but it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, like really you don't, you know, my, my wife read them out of order and she said that, that it was fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> this sounds like perfect 2021 reads to me, like just something that's light and fun and is going to take you away from all the craziness. Yes, that's exactly what they're intended to be. They're intended to be lighthearted, fun, you know, uh, kind of romps. Like if you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or you like watching Doctor Who episodes or, <laughs> you know, if you like Mel Brooks movies or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Monty Python movies, you'll probably enjoy these books. They're, they're very just there to be fun, not <laughs> incredibly deep. I mean, maybe there's, I don't know, I don't try to be deep, but maybe there's some, maybe someone will uh, <laughs> one day uh, <laughs> write an academic paper about it and be like, I didn't even realize I did that. <laughs> Your next career you can 
become a professor and make your students grab the themes out of your books. There, there we go. <laughs> no, we are definitely a Monty Python household. So um, I'm in good company then. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I think everyone in my house can probably, well, not me as much because I haven't watched them as many times as everyone else has, but they can pretty much quote every movie, every line of every movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's us. My, my wife and I like, she's, well, one thing I knew that we were going to get along was she said that Robin Hood men in tights uh, was her favorite movie growing up and she could quote any line in that movie. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going to work. Don't need to go any further. <laughs> we ended up actually like I, we ended up watching the flying circus together uh, in its entirety and, and of course that quickly became one of her favorite TV shows. Uh, so. Is that an African swallow or English swallow? <laughs> I think I that's that. the right one, right? <laughs> yes, African or European. I don't know that. Ah! <laughs> Only a flesh wound. <laughs> so tell me about your other series. Uh, yeah, so. I have a couple other series. So if you're looking for more sort of serious sci-fi, I have a, a series called the Atmospheric Pressure Series that was conceived of when I was working downtown Minneapolis. And in, in downtown Minneapolis, it's connected by skyways, about 11 square miles of, of skyway uh, uh, tunnels. And, and so you could like leave it to Minnesotans to figure out how not to go outside during the winter. Uh, and, and I just thought, well, what if you could never leave? So I invented kind of a world, uh, you know, that, that people are living in, in cities sealed off from, from, from the world. And, and that one's more serious. And then I have a, another series called Tuners that's about interdimensional uh, travelers that have this ability to tune so they can hear uh, multiverses that are nearby and then using a device uh, jump through a portal to the nearest uh, alternate reality uh, through their tuning ability and that one has a little bit of, of comic streak a, a comic uh, uh, streak in it in the sense that the characters can get kind of joke around with each other and have fun but it is more serious and then my Kindle Vela that just came out. Uh, it's called my, then this one I'm really excited about. This is my first fantasy uh, novel, uh, but it is uh, called my three-year-old is a barbarian and other parenting problems. And it's about a mom and her three-year-old son who get taken into a fantasy world where their minds are inserted into uh, he he's inserted into a, a giant hulking Conan the Barbarian type of figure, and uh, she is inserted into a little tiny halfling, uh, <laughs> and so she has a toddler <laughs> inside a barbarian's body in this fantasy world, uh, and so you know she's trying to convince him to go potty uh, <laughs> while you know <laughs> he's this giant hulking man and. And, you know, they're being uh, chased by, you know, these, you know, evil rangers and a uh, necromancer and, you know, <laughs> danger at every turn kind of fantasy novel. But meanwhile, she's just trying to, like, get her son to survive, you know. 
especially because once he finds out he has a battle axe, he can't, he loves to swing it around. <laughs> of course, because that's what three-year-olds do. That is like a mom's worst, worst not, or a parent's worst nightmare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> three-year-olds seem like that anyway. Yes. Uh, no, I don't I, know if you have any of three-year-olds, but. <laughs> I do. I Well, he's four now, but I, I started writing it when he was two. <laughs> And then completed it when he was three. And so the age kind of, it started as a two-year-old, but then it kind of changed to a three-year-old as I was writing it. Yeah, because everybody <laughs> says the terrible twos. And then when you get to three, you're like, oh my goodness. Because then they're smarter too. Oh yeah, exactly. They have more negotiating power when they're three. Right. right. That sounds super fun. And I, Kindle Vela, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. It's I, you know, I that was originally going to be a trilogy, so I wasn't even planning to publish it at all until I wrote the second two books. Usually that's what I do is write at least three books and then drop them all at once. Uh, <laughs> or at least that's what I've learned to do as far as, you know, marketing goes, making it easier to market. Uh so, you know, uh but I, I wasn't going to publish it, but then Kindle Vela came up you know, as a new service. So I figured it's time to <laughs> get this out there because I didn't really have anything else. Uh, but I did want to be a part of it, you know, especially because it's a new a new thing, you know, and, and all new things, it's, it's either a good opportunity or nothing happens. And either way, it's, you know, I wasn't going to publish it anyways just yet. So <laughs> that's impressive. So how long does it take you to write a novel then? Uh, it depends, but I could get one in the first draft, at least within a month or two, but then there's, you know, the editing draft and then I send it off to an editor and then I do another draft, uh, of that. And then I do a third edit through. So, I mean, I would say that from beginning to end, from idea to, you know, probably publication, I would put, put around five months, but you know, what's nice is when it's off to the editor, I can put in another first draft, you know, of, of something else. So I can always have like a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a good idea to kind of group them together and release them. I haven't, I haven't done that. So I will have to investigate. And you yeah. have a podcast of your own, correct? I do actually, I do. It's called Aaron's Horror Show, uh, which it's on this network of podcasts called the Real Paranormal Activity Network. So if you search for Aaron's Horror Show or you search for Real Paranormal Activity, you'll, you'll find it. And they kind of have a, it's kind of a family of podcasts. Uh, so like, like it all comes from the same feed. Uh, so you, you sort of subscribe to the Real Paranormal Activity one and mine will come through on it but anyways on mine uh i uh i read my own writing and then i do movie reviews and it, it originally started off as a movie review like i i just you know wanted to hear some ghost stories for halloween and so i started listening to the real paranormal activity one which is just a guy who reads listener stories uh, about ghosts and stuff like that so it was sort of just, I wanted to listen to it for Halloween. And then I just continued listening to it. And, you know, it was like, you know, the host was endearing. So I thought, oh, this is kind of fun to hear some ghost stories every so often, you know? And so I, and then he put out a call for like a, a horror movie reviewer. <laughs> and 
I was like, I could be a horror movie reviewer. And I auditioned and I got the part. And <laughs> so now that's what I, I'm, I'm doing that podcast. And it's kind of morphed from just horror movie reviews to reading my own writing and, and uh, <laughs> switching off between my own writing and reviews. But uh, the book that I'm currently reading in that podcast is called the Touristic Q Chronicles. And that's my epic sci-fi space op- space opera uh that's about uh you know an alien on another planet she gets her village slaughtered by uh this evil race called the Touristicus, and now it becomes like this whole revenge uh <laughs> epic sort of sci-fi you know she eventually becomes a space pirate and <laughs> you know you kind of follow her as a space pirate while she's trying to find the the person that slaughtered her village you know <laughs> That sounds super fun. Um, it's interesting to me. I interviewed another horror author who called herself a horror author, Kelly Martin, a couple of weeks ago. And when I think horror, I always think like Friday the 13th or and maybe I don't even watch them because I can't even watch horror movies. But um, but then she was like, but Twilight was is classified as horror like one of that's one of the classifications of twilight and i was like well i guess yeah vampires are killing people so i guess that is horror but they made it so peace i mean they made the movies at least pg-13 and the books were pretty much pg-13 as well um like not gore horror but like fear horror um like supernatural or paranormal ghosts like amityville horror type instead of like hatchets and yeah, like yeah. and yeah. I guess chainsaws was the other famous one correct oh yeah I mean horns are really big genre it has it's like one of those uh, super genres you know like like sci-fi is a very big genre in the sense that there's like time travel and spaceships and you know aliens coming down to earth and, and you know all sorts of different uh different things you can call sci-fi but horror is the same way I mean you have you know, uh, slasher films, which are the Friday the 13th ones that you mentioned. And then there's the, uh, you know, zombie movies. And then there's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which would be considered horror, you know, despite the fact that you wouldn't be probably terrified watching it, you know, <laughs> but it does have that supernatural element, you know. So there's a lot, I don't know, there's, it's a really big genre that has a lot of things, you know, it has a lot of, uh, stuff in it. One thing I will say that I like about horror is that there's a lot of comedy horror out there. <laughs> and so there's a lot of like things that fall in the horror genre, but they don't take themselves too seriously as a movie. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're, they're funny, but they're also horror movies at the same time. So I-, I Like I Monty Python, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly with Monty Python with more gore. (laughs) Interesting. So tell me, this is one thing I always like to ask my interviewees, I guess. What do you read? Do you, do you read in the, uh, I think I already asked you this. Maybe we already talked about this. Is that what you read as well? Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, if I, so one of my favorite book series of all time is of course, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So of course I'm going to say that, you know, uh, especially since that's what I'm writing. But if you're asking me what I'm currently reading, I'm actually reading uh, the Expanse series right now. Uh, it's really good, the Expanse series. Uh, that is, you know, 
the one that they made into uh, a TV show by Amazon. And I've seen the, all the TV show, but haven't really read the books. Uh, and then, you know, before that, I, uh, I, I read one of the uh, uh, Peter Klein's uh, books, but not the, I, I've, I've read Ready Player One and all those like really big ones, but there was this other one that had something called the Albuquerque door. And of course I had to read it because it was a, a science fiction with something called the Albuquerque door. <laughs> and I was like, that, that alone went through, but that one was pretty good. And I want to check out the other ones in the series. Uh, apparently that was book two, uh, <laughs> but it really did stand alone as a book by itself. Uh, yeah, it made me want to check out the other one. So yeah, I, I read kind of a lot of different things of what, what I like. One of the last really good books I read was a book called Year Zero. And, and Year Zero, I highly recommend. It was really funny. It was a, a basically a book about how uh, this group of aliens uh, that, you know, have kind of a prime directive of not messing with uh, species that are considered too primitive uh, have one criteria to let them into their intergalactic network, and that is to that is they provide some sort of artistic uh, <laughs> addition to their uh, to to art because art is considered the highest form of like that any alien could achieve, and uh, humans were considered you know non important until the aliens heard our music one day, and so they uh, you know decide that our our music is the most highest form of of music out there uh, and so they go crazy downloading our songs from napster and this is of course written in back in napster so they download a bunch of our songs and then they find out that because they've committed copyright violation by downloading okay. our songs that they owe earth the entire intergalactic wealth of the known universe uh, for in fines and according to their alien laws, they have to abide by the laws of our planet. <laughs> and so basically in order to not pay the earth, all the wealth in the known universe, there's a couple of aliens that decide to blow it up. Uh, <laughs> Cause then you won't owe them any money. <laughs> and so that's the novel is, is basically like a, a copyright lawyer <laughs> who's trying to save the earth from being blown up because they owe Earth fines for downloading music illegally. <laughs> they sound so moral, but then they're going to kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it, throughout the entire book, there's always this really like high-minded moralness, but then there's like, oh, and we're also going to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, we could just kill everyone and get rid of the problem. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a really, it was really good. It was really funny. Like I, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> that does sound really funny. Tell me what you like your readers to come away with. Like if they're reading your books, what feeling or what thought or what do you like them to come away from your books with? I like to uh, come away with joy <laughs> and, and having had a good time and, and hopefully having something that they can quote with their friends like, you know, you would like we were doing with Monty Python, just, you know, back where we are saying African or European, you know, and, and having a giggle. Like that's my true compliment would be, you know, a, a joke that I've written to have somebody like, you know, repeat it to their friends and their friends cackle with, you know, 
probably uh, <laughs> that that would be that that would be I think the highest compliment one could ever get for what I like to do. So that's the one thing I'd like them to to have the gift I give. <laughs> right. And do you still write stand up? And do you still perform stand up? You know, I don't perform uh, comedy anymore. Uh, I did, you know, back in 2019, wrote, I wrote a piece uh, that I was intending to do at an open mic night in Portland, Oregon, because we were living there uh, for the summer. But then my wife got a job in Montana. And so we moved. And so I never ended up going to the open mic night with a piece. But it was it was intended to be like a piece where I come up on stage with a guitar and play what I call lazy guy love songs, uh, where <laughs> like I I take, you know, well-known songs and and turn them into kind of weak versions of them. Like like I wrote one, uh the, you know, the I would walk 500 miles. I, I rewrote that too. I take the bus for 35 miles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, or something like that, you know? And so I did write a, a, a little thing that was intended to be performed. Uh, but, you know, I, instead, I ended up using the script that I wrote for that five minute stand-up piece in my hundredth episode of Aaron's Horror Show as kind of like a, you know, a musical tribute to the show. And I wrote a bunch of other songs and, and it was sort of a musical version, <laughs> you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer musicals, one of my favorite note episodes of television all time so you know I thought I'm gonna do a musical podcast and, and so on episode 100 I <laughs> I did a musical episode uh, oh that's awesome I'll have to go back and listen to that one because that is another talent in and of itself so you have to make the words and the rhythm fit the melody or the chorus right yeah yeah you have to get words that would fit in in this song so you yeah have to use your words carefully like in poetry oh yeah yeah I mean I I have like a musical background too in the sense that I've been in kind of an online prog rock band for since 2010 and we've released albums you know we've never played a live show once uh, I, I was in bands back in like high school and college I played live shows but you know when I, there, the, one of my best friends, he uh, said, hey, let's make a band where we just make music. And so we just started recording music and <laughs> producing albums. But, but it's kind of interesting that I've been able to continuously do that despite not living in the same state as him for quite a while now because uh, we've been able to record stuff and sort of email it back and forth, you know? <laughs> oh, technology is awesome. You're such yeah. a well-rounded, like completely <laughs> like artistic, creative <laughs> type that's, that's so amazing <laughs> I like I was thinking when you're talking about your aliens that um art art was the only thing that was like good to them like I was thinking that I would have been like kicked out and failed and they would have put me in the dungeon until until like five years ago when I started writing creatively like because all my background was science and I'm not good at art at all <laughs> like, well, well, you got, you're a writer you're a writer that you're good at art i'm you know? a writer I, now but i wouldn't like, i wouldn't say that i'm necessarily like, good at that, it either. I, I just i just enjoy doing things and <laughs> right you know? but before that i didn't consider myself creative i guess yeah. i could do cross stitch because but i was just following directions right <laughs> so that's well, not that's, the same that's creativity <laughs> yeah <laughs> my my wife she 
she like take buy stuff from Goodwill and like dismantles it and turns it into something new. And you know, like she took a vest and turned it turned it into like gloves and <laughs> you know. Oh, wow, very cool. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. she's she she loves sewing and and so I'd say it's creative. You know, just <laughs> maybe a little. <laughs> And now my, maybe I spent so long, like, not doing that, that now my brain is just, like, hyperactive in that way. So maybe that's my excuse for being as crazy as I am now. (laughs) (laughs) You were, your your inner artist wanted to get out for all that time. (laughs) Probably so. It was, it was like, I I gotta be free. (laughs) So Erin, do you have anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about you or your books? Where can we find you? Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, you can find me at uh, Aaron Frail, uh, F-R-A-L-E, A-R-O-N, uh, dot com. Also, Twitter is Aaron Frail. And, uh, you know, I, you know, also, if you just search for me on Amazon, you'll find me pretty easily because, uh, because I, uh, uh, you know, no one else has, a, has, has my name got lucky in that, in that context. And then, uh, you know, most of my stuff is on Amazon, uh, Kindle unlimited and Kindle unlimited doesn't really let you publish elsewhere. Uh, so I've kind of put all my eggs in the Amazon basket, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see how that goes. And, and yeah, so if you've got a Kindle, but I also have a, a Patreon account where, you know, people can get like, like non Kindle versions of my books uh, when they're Patreon members as well. Cause I know I had some people ask me about that and, you know, I'm, I'm Amazon for their terms of service allows me to do it so long as I'm not currently enrolled in Kindle unlimited. So if I do it as, you know, if I give away a, a EPUB file as a, as a pre-release of the book, I'm still able to put in Kindle unlimited after I've done that. So it's sort of like give away the copies uh, <laughs> as, as, you know, non-Kindle versions and then put yourself in Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. So anyways, Amazon is the way to, <laughs> way to really find my stuff because that's, that's where all my eggs are currently. <laughs> well, great. And tell us the name of your podcast again. So we don't forget. It is Aaron's Horror Show. Aaron's Horror Show. And all of this will be in the podcast description with all your links. So people will be able to find you that way as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. It was great talking to you. You as well. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 